introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pitches it to Mo Williams. Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! All right, all right, all right. We are back with an emergency, I guess an emergency episode of the Climbing the Pocket podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me at Twitter, Brown Jason, and we're going to jump right to it. Got a fun episode here. Got a bonus cut from our man, Dr. Eric Eager coming in. Uh, You know, we're talking about what's going on with the Vikings, but you know, we're going to jump in. No QB1 tonight, duty calls. Uh, but, you know, we got Miles, we got yeah, Sexy Prince, and uh, yeah, we're just going to do this thing. So, uh, Miles, how you doing? How you been? How you feeling about what's going on with these Vikings at this point in the season? <laughs> I'm good, but I, I mean, I've been better in terms of how the Vikings are doing. But, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a crazy, what, I know it's been a crazy 24 hours, but it's also been a crazy weeks like month month and a half plus like yeah there there's definitely been a lot of disconnect going on in that in that within the organization so it's been it's been crazy but also not not surprising at the same time yeah man you could definitely feel that and you know saxy prince i got stuck right there when i was calling i was like saxy prince yinka didn't know which way to go with that but we back here yinka what's going on my man just finished up the workout how you feeling about, I guess, the workout and uh, and the season so far. Yeah, I mean, you sounded like one of my old, like, elementary school teachers who saw my name and were just like, yeah, um, I, I don't want to get it wrong, but... Yeah, you know, just uh, straight freeze, even though they're all spelled phonetically. Right, I'm saying! <laughs> um, no, the workout was good. Uh, you know, I'm kind of with Miles where, you know, it would have been nice to be uh, in a, having a, a victory conversation right now. Um, but, you know, without... We know that there's always going to be drama with the Vikings. So, yeah, let's just get into it. All right. Well, let's hop to it. And, you know, listeners, just so you know, if you're wondering, you know, if Yinka's volume is a little down or it comes and goes a little bit, as per usual, Yinka is not sitting in front of his computer doing the pot. He is on the move, in the car, straight from the gym, on the pocket, uh, you know, on the Climb in the Pocket podcast to, to get these takes off as he, I guess, drives home or to his, you know, second or third or fourth job. So we're going to get there. And if his microphone starts to fade out, we'll just uh, we'll yell at him and tell him to come back. But uh, Miles, you know, because I need to get your takes first, because during the games, you know, Prince, Jr. and myself, we we fire off all those emotional in the moment takes right away in the group message and, you know. Get all those ridiculous kind of, you know, off-the-cuff takes that shouldn't make it onto the timeline. We have that outlet. You log off of everything during all of the games, which is probably the smarter way to go. For just being real, it's probably the smarter way to go. Better for your blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. But as you were watching that... We watched the Vikings, so nothing's good for our blood pressure. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But uh, as you were watching that horrible, horrible, terrible, awful performance from... The Vikings offense, Kirk Cousins, just really, yeah, there was nothing good going on that you could take away from the offensive performance. The defense, they, I mean, they they gave up a lot in the run, but the thing about giving up a lot in the run is they weren't they weren't giving up a lot of points. You know, right. they don't give up six points until well into the game. Um, you know, what do you, what were your thoughts as that as that game progressed and you were seeing what you were seeing? How did you feel about you know the way Cousins looked out there? 
um, and just the way the team performed in general. Oh man, like like you said, I don't like to log on during on Twitter during the games just because I I don't like the overreactions to to literally every single play dissecting every single play in the moment. I mean, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it while I'm watching the game, but like. To do it, to put it out in the timeline and and make it act like you know one great play is means that you know the Vikings are going to dominate or one bad play means they're going to get blown out. I just don't like to do that. Um, but anyways, for for me the the worst part about last night's game was the defense played so well for the most part that they gave. They gave me hope because <laughs> the Vikings were in striking distance. Like the Vikings were there were until obviously late late in the fourth quarter. The Vikings were were within one score of taking the lead, even. Um, so they gave us that hope. The the turnover before before the half was probably I knew that was a gonna come back to bite us in terms of uh eric hendricks not catching it clean and likely running it back for a pick six (laughs) because i knew the way the offense was going that uh that would have been the the game changer probably i'm not saying that means they would have won the game but i think adding that momentum before the half would have been it it might have changed the outcome of the game um on offense man (laughs) man i mean yeah the run game was there um i think DeFilippo, um, RIP, <laughs> is uh, was kind of trying to prove a point that, like, yeah, we can try and run the ball 20-plus times a game, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to how the passing game goes, um, how we get creative in the passing game, how we get those our guys involved. And I think that the, the biggest issue outside of Cousins and the O-line and the play calling <laughs> was just how – Teams can approach our offense, how they can defend our offense right now. Um, at least under Filippo, it was hard for him to get creative when Seattle was literally double-teaming Thielen and Diggs, at least for the first half, I think majority of the first half. Um, and I'm not quite sure how much it was going on in the second, but we we saw it highlighted in the first half. But uh, that, that was a big problem, like we've been saying. They don't have that third true – Pass, passing threat that that really is going to help take away or help you know punish a, a defense for trying to double team your two best players. We don't have that guy. Yes, Dalvin Cook is is phenomenal. You get him in space. He's a, he could ta- he could break tackles. But one thing he's not is he's not a a pure route runner. He's not a pure like receiver. Yes, he can catch the ball well out of the backfield. You can you can take put him out in little swings and um, you know quick quick hitting routes, but he's not like going to break you down on a route. He's not going to, he's not going to do that. He's not like an Alvin Kamara. That's not, that's not his skill set, And that's fine. Like it doesn't mean he's not a dynamic running back. Doesn't mean he's not, uh, you know, phenomenal at what he does, but he's just not that style of running back to be that style of receiver that I, that I think some people believe. Um, and then Kyle Rudolph, like Kyle Rudolph, great red zone threat. Um, good chain mover. But he's he's not going to beat you deep. He's not going to outrun you. He's not going to get. Um, he's mainly there's been a lot of yak from him this season because they've schemed it that way. But he's not the guy I want getting out out into space because he's not going to break off a 35 plus yard run run after catch. Like that's just not his style. Um, 
they don't have that third receiving threat that's really going to take to help loosen things up for Thielen and Diggs. And I think that I think that was really evident last night, um, especially when you're not being able to run the ball consistently. Uh, we know that that's what Zimmer wants to do, and when they can't do that. Um, teams are really just going to load up the box and then double team your two best players. And then it's kind of like, now what? Especially when your your other receivers aren't really doing a lot to get open or create that separation that you'd like to see. And then your interior offensive line is giving up pressure. Uh, it's, it's really hurting overall. And then, you know, jumping into the quarterback situation, you know, Cousins really did, especially early on. It took him a long time to find any kind of rhythm and I don't think we really saw any kind of rhythm until that last drive, and and that's the one that didn't matter. Like that that drive didn't really matter. And yeah, there was a there was that drive in the, where they got stalled out in the fourth and two, I think it was on the on the two yard line. But other than that, he looked, especially early on, he looked really skittish in the pocket. He looked very, he he just looked really worried, and he looked like he was seeing ghosts out there. And I know we saw that last week. I think there was a I, I can't remember. It's it's happened. Uh, quite a bit throughout the season a little bit because um, earlier on in the season we saw him s- stand in there and take some hits um, play a little bit p- perform a little bit better than we saw than we've seen down the stretch and I think some of those pressures are kind of getting to him um, and then you start seeing him miss he's missing some open receivers at the same time like we saw Diggs and Thielen get open at times that he might have missed maybe the read wasn't wasn't there because of the way the guys were being double teamed whatever it was uh, it it just didn't look right. It, the The offense did not look in sync at all last night, and it was evident that there's a a, hu- a major disconnect uh, between the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, and the head coach. So I think it's evident now that the scenario of the situation that happened today with uh, D. Filippo getting fired. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I mean, we we talked about it, you know, after the Pats game, we're talking about it again, um, where teams just double teamed our you know, our best two weapons or the outside receivers made cousins hold the ball a little bit longer. And that seems to have been the book on him for a while. Like if he holds the ball, if he has to, if he can't get it out quick, then he starts to to maybe panic a little bit, uh, you know, in the pocket, I guess miles, before we go to Yankee here, um, the teams just not think to do that last season. Like, cause I don't really remember us having conversations about, you know, teams just deciding they were going to just shut down Diggs and Thielen the way that we've been really having the conversation over the past couple of weeks where it's just, you know, double team those guys and and dare them to beat you with somebody else. Well, I, I think last year there's there's a couple couple scenarios. Uh Pat Shermer obviously was he did a lot more to move his move uh Case Keenum out of the pocket um to help create shorter fields or you know easier reads for Case Keenum and kind of scheme guys to get open. Uh and then at the same time they ran the ball a lot better last year, more on a more consistent basis. I know, I know, we've talked about this, Jason. And it's not like it's not of, of vital importance, but we know that it can it can help an offense if you run well. Like it's never a bad thing to run the ball well, um, and that, I think that's one one major factor is when you can run the ball well, it's a lot harder to take away everything you're doing in the pass game, and that and I you know that goes hand in hand with Pat Shermer kind of scheming to get. Um, his quarterback on the move to move the pocket a little bit and to kind of um, create for his uh, other playmakers. And at the last bit of it, uh, Jarius Wright really was that, you know, that key w- third wide receiver. I think this offense is really missing and they're really hurting right now. Um, I'm not saying Jarius Wright would have been like 
everything this this offense needs right now, but I think he'd definitely be helping what they're missing. And they're really missing that third trustful wide receiver that can consistently get open and consistently catch the ball um, and help move the chains or, you know, get some yak. So they don't really have that right now, and it's really hurting them. Oh, Jarius, that feels like a perfect segue. Prince, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? I know, uh, right? <laughs> on, on everything that we did, we just talked about there, you know, the Vikings needing Jarius right. And uh, yeah, just, I guess we'll, we'll start, we'll start with the game. And then, you know, I guess if it, if it brings us back to Jarius and you have takes you fire off on that, by all means, feel free. But uh, as you were watching the game, uh, just kind of take us through what you were thinking, I guess, your emotions of, uh, of, of, yeah, the ups and downs of, of Kirk and the offense early. And I guess also, uh, did you end up doing that booth cast thing? And if so, how'd that go? Um, I can answer the second question first. No, we didn't because uh, me and Arif got together and we were waiting on the technology to essentially, we essentially needed the app to be approved by iTunes and Apple and stuff. And it didn't in time. So we weren't able to do it. Uh, but that's something that we're probably looking to do for the Miami game. So uh, continue to kind of look out for that. We'll tweet it out and stuff. Uh, as far as the game, um, there, there was just like this aura that existed where it just felt as if there were a number of players that just didn't want to be on the field and, or just like, didn't seem as if, you know, like they weren't, they didn't have as much energy as they typically do to, to go out and play. Um, you could tell very early Kirk was off. You could tell Adam Thielen, I mean, Adam Thielen was playing fine. It's just like they weren't having very much chemistry. Uh, I think Diggs really similar. You know, I think he was consistently getting open the same exact way. It's just that um, you, I don't. I don't know if I could necessarily blame Kirk in this game. It. I don't. It didn't feel as if this was like, man, Kirk is just playing poorly. It just felt as if um, he was like, I am tired of running this offense, and you could see kind of the boredom and the effort that, that existed there with him, you know, finding our playmakers and finding the guys that like really make this offense run. And like Adam Thielen for the first time in what the last two years didn't have a single catch in the first half. And it was, it was just weird to see that this offense almost was like, was giving up before anything even happened. I mean, by halftime, the game was still fairly close. So, I mean, those were my initial thoughts. Um, Mike Miles had mentioned I thought the defense was playing really, really well, doing a good job. I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. He can find avenues to burn you with his legs, highly efficient with his arm, uh, was, you know, I, I, I think was playing at a pretty decent level. Maybe not his best game, but still playing pretty efficiently. And you just felt like the defense was giving everything that they could against a quarterback of that caliber. And it just got to the point where, the offense just wasn't doing enough. You know, we, it was up until like the second half before we even reached, you know, past uh, midfield. And it was like, what is going on with the offense? So I felt like this was, this was like the last little bit of energy we had in that the developer offense where he was like, I'm just at my wit's end. I don't know how to fix it. And it, it I, in my opinion, it showed, you know, like, and it got to the point where he's just, developer was just like, fine, I'll just run the ball. And that wasn't really uh, working at times. Um, the utilization of Dalvin Cook, you know, I think uh, JR had a really interesting point where, like, I think we try to make Dalvin Cook into our superstar Alvin Kamara, you know, I guess like Kareem Hunt, I know. Well, not the first one to say, but like the way that he played, 
um, and whatnot and how they, you know, David Johnson, how they can go out on routes and really be an effective part of the passing game as well as in the run game. Um, but he might not be that guy. He might just be a guy who's super athletic, super talented, um, but we need to find more unique ways to, you know, just hand the ball off to him. Um, still find ways to get him ball in space and stuff, but um, he just might not be as, as big of a receiving threat as we thought he was initially coming out. With that being said, um, I, I felt there were, there was a point where I think the Vikings had, uh, I think the Vikings had, uh, the, the cousins had missed Thielen. And I think there was a shot of the Filippo um, on the sidelines. And you could just kind of tell that it's almost like he knew he like this, this was my last opportunity to really truly salvage my job, salvage my job and fix whatever issues that they were having. But with the fact that he wants to run a certain kind of offense, Kirk wants to run a, a certain kind of offense. And then Zimmer wants to run a certain kind of offense. When you have the quarterback, the OC, and the head coach all not agreeing with what kind of offense that they run, want to run, I think that's just recipe for a disaster. And that's what we saw from the, the time on it. Um, we all agreed, you know, kind of privately that, you know, probably was in their best interest to let go of DeFilippo. Um, you know, if it, if it is broke, you better fix it. And we've seen enough times where the Vikings will try to limp on and it'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. But, um, I, I think it speaks to the maturation of this organization where we've been in, uh, in situations where this team holds on to players and coaches way longer than they probably should have. So, um, I think with Zimmer's philosophy, I think he's still going to need to evolve. Like this is no longer the nineties or early two thousands. I think he's going to have to evolve. Um, you know, running the football. I still think that the, the NFL has a place to run the football, but I mean, even the way in which he employs run, run the running game, I think is outdated. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest hangups is, is he's still trying to run kind of smash mouth, uh, you know, run the ball down their throat football. And we don't, we don't have that. We don't have the, the guys on the offensive line to do that as well as, I mean, that's not the styles of a guy like Dalvin Cook, who's your premier back. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting point that you bring up, yeah. and I'm 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 interested because you know coming into this season, John D. Filippo was a uh, you know a, a head coaching candidate, kind of a hot up and coming coach coming out of you know the the Philadelphia Eagle, Eagles organization, fresh off the uh, the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. And I'll be interested to see if he still ends up getting someplace else where either he you know gets a head coaching opportunity or potentially gets to go be an OC somewhere else. Because I know that when 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 Norv was here, we uh, we we were. You know, we were hating on Norv a lot because of the type of offense that he was running and, and you know, that power scheme, deep drops, under center, all those kind of things seemed really outdated. And I know Vikings fans in large measure were clowning uh, the signing when, you know, the or clowning the hire rather when when the Panthers brought him in. But it seems as though, you know, Norv has kind of you know evolved as, as a coach and is opening things up a little bit more. I mean, Shermer obviously was able to come in and do some things and, and get the playmakers involved. And, you know, we had a great season last year um, and he's still doing, you know, you know good work uh, with 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 the with the Giants in terms of what he's been doing. And, you know, the unfortunate having Eli and, and Kirk having such similar numbers this year. But it'll be interesting to see how uh, DiFilippo does someplace else. Um because, yeah, you brought up the point where everyone's not on the same page. And I'm really, really starting to wonder with us going through OCs at the rate that we're having now, how much of this is Zimmer not wanting to 
really and truly allow an offense to just be completely wide open because of the risk of what it might do to his defense versus, you know, some of the other things that we could, could be going on there. So I, I, uh, I guess it'll be interesting to see the type of O or the type of things that Stefanski does when he comes in. But yeah, I guess, you know, we hear Zimmer talk about running the ball a lot. I guess, Miles, I, I want to get your take on, uh, on something that Matt Collar has said before. And then when I recorded with Eric before, before our show, that, that he also brought up where he felt that, um, you know, Zimmer's criticism of JDF or saying that we need to run the ball more was just kind of a way to, be critical of the offense in general and, you know, Kurt Cousins in, in, indirectly without calling Kirk out directly, directly, since, you know, Kirk is definitely going to be there for the next three years. And, just, you know, if, if Zim starts kind of a war in the media with him, Zim would likely be the one who got fired. So I guess what are your thoughts on on kind of that with Zim knowing the running game isn't really the way that you're going to win, but he's still feeling the need to have to criticize and maybe, you know, let folks know that he's not happy with them in the media. Do you think that's what he's doing or was it just he wants to run the ball, ball more and he wants to run the ball more and he wants to run the ball more? I I think it's it's a combination of both. I think it's he he wants to be able to control the clock on offense and he feels obviously when you don't run the ball well, it's harder to do that, especially with if if you're not as efficient passing the ball as you you'd like to be. Like if they were, you know, getting first downs, eating clock, um, not turning the ball over, I don't think you'd see as much of an issue from Zimmer. But, I mean, they're doing that, and they're not running the ball well. So, like, when you, we know Zimmer wants to play hard-nosed football, whatever, um, like a little bit more of that old school. But I, I, it makes me wonder, though, like, if the team obviously was scoring points and they were more efficient, I don't think it would matter to Zimmer. I think he'd be fine with it. Um, at the end of the day, I do think running the ball is important to him. I think it it just wants he he wants that ball control. He wants his defense to kind of stay off the field as often as possible. I mean, it makes sense, right? You you'd want your offense to control the control the clock, control the game, um, rather than your defense. But yeah, I think there's a combination of both there. I think I think if if the offense wasn't turning the ball over and they were doing a better job scoring on a consistent basis. And I don't think Zimmer would be as open, open about the issue. And I also feel like he does want to run the ball more to help control the clock. And I think that's to him is a part of the problem is that they're not running the ball and they're not doing it well. So I think he feels that it needs to just, they need to find a way to run the ball better. And I think no matter what he, he wants that, whether it's, um, true or not it just that just seems like zimmer's way of he wants them to run the ball more yeah and so yeah to that thought because that's something that obviously he's been saying quite a bit and uh you know warren sharp put out a a thread today that was interesting was talking about how poorly the vikings have done generally speaking when they've really committed to trying to run the ball early because they can't do it like they're not good at it so i understand wanting to run the ball but at what point do you just say hey maybe this ain't the season we need to you know bolster our, our coaching staff across the o-line or whatever it might be to get some better run schemes in here because if uh your memory serves oftentimes it's you know the offensive line court um coach that helps to design you know kind of the run game and the schemes that we're going to use to to effectively run the ball like on the one hand i get wanting to be more balanced or wanting to run but how do you weigh that out um and i guess you know yinka you can jump in miles you can you know follow up 
how do you balance that out with the fact that you just can't do it? Like, you're just not good at it. It's something that when you do run the ball on early downs, way more often than not, you end up putting yourself behind the chains. And then as soon as you get yourself behind the chains and teams know you're likely to pass the ball, yep. your offensive line also can't hold up and pass pro. So, yeah, how do you how do you get that balance? And what is actually the, the best way to run this Vikings offense as we go forward? Yeah, uh, let me chime in real quick on that. Um, this, is, this is kind of why it's so important to know who, A, your personnel, and B, more importantly, your who your quarterback is. Uh, Kirk Cousins, as we know, is is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league currently right now on third and long type situations. So obviously, either running the ball on second down or running uh, running in, in in a situation where you're going to put yourself in you know longer down and distance is disadvantageous to your quarterback. You know there are so, certain quarterbacks in the league who who thrive really really well in the intermediate game or whatnot. Who if you put them down in third and seven, third and eight, uh, they'll they'll succeed. You know uh, better than most quarterbacks in the league. Um, and this is one of those conversations where I think it's a little bit more nuanced because I don't think it's a one size fits all for your offense. Again, some quarterbacks are just better um, and have made their living thriving on third downs. Uh, granted, the Vikings had this is my time where I plug my Darius Wright take. Uh, this is the, the this is the time where you when you had a guy who was as consistent as Jarius Wright on third down specifically that. Um, really help that offense to maybe stay above, uh, either stay above the chains or continue to, you know, make those, uh, take those chances on second down, uh, you know, to run some of those uh, run plays and whatnot. Um, this is in the offense because you don't have that guy that's consistently on third down is going to make that play. So with that being said, you're not good at it in part because you're not good at running the football. And the second part is like, you also don't have a quarterback who thrives on, or one of his strengths is being able to be cold-blooded on third and long situations. He's fantastic on third and short situations, but not as great on third and long situations. So when you're taking when you're taking that into account, you know you're not always going to be like, oh well, third and you know third and or second and long, we can't ever run. There's second and short, we have to run, or whatever the case is. Um, but you have to build your tendencies to to match what your quarterback strengths are. And with that being said, that's not one of Kirk's. So then you, then you, not that you completely abandon the run on second downs, but it's like, you know, it's disadvantageous to the guy who's at who's more often not, not going to put you in a position to get that first down. So um, that's how I would first think about building um, kind of game plans as well as, you know, uh, circling my scheme around the talent that I have. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit here. Embarrassing performance, uh, performance notwithstanding, um, you know, and again, listeners, we hear some of this after kind of we wrap this portion of the show when uh, when we have our, our, our guest appearance by by uh, by Eric from Pro Football Focus. But um, I mean, there's a lot of uh, sadness, anger, depression, lashing out, all kinds of things going on across kind of the Vikings landscape of social media. But the Vikings still have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs. I guess from your perspective, Miles, um, yeah, I mean, the Vikings still have, a, I think, like a 53% chance of getting into the playoffs. Um, like, what are your thoughts on on the rest of this season? Because it feels like a lot of people, and in some ways probably myself included, have started to shift gears and really started thinking about, you know, next season and things that the Vikings can do to make themselves better in the offseason when the playoffs are still a highly probable outcome. Well, 
uh, a more probable than not outcome would probably be the more accurate way of saying that. I guess, where are you with the season? Are you still invested in the Vikings and what they need to do and where they're going to go? Or are you like so many others and it seems that, you know, you're kind of, you know, on to, you know, what they can do to be better in, in 2019? Well, I think I'm 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 one of those people I always want to look ahead. I just I do that. I like to see what what might be available in the in the next in the upcoming offseason. I always look at free agents, I always look at uh the draft a little bit just to kind of just see what I'm like looking at as the season as the season goes, but um no, I <laughs> to your point it, it, it's really easy to feel like the season's basically over right now. I mean, they've they've lost every big game. Uh, they've lost well almost every big game. I think the Packer game is the only one in the last couple, of, you know, this season where you know that we've really needed that they've won. Other than that, though, they haven't. You know, they've kind of shriveled in that in the in the rest of those games. So it really does feel like the season is over. It feels like they sh- they they shouldn't be in the playoffs. It feels like they're not a playoff team. But what the funny part is is they're. <laughs> They're still in that playoff hunt. They're they're leading. They're you know if the playoffs started right now, they'd be the sixth seed, which is kind of crazy to think about. But as bad as the Vikings have been this season, the NFC across the board. I mean, obviously outside of the top uh, four or five teams, have been really bad. <laughs> like the Vikings have played extremely poor. And yet they're still in a position to put themselves into the playoffs because the rest of the NFC has been so poor and they've beaten some of those teams that are like right on their heels. So it's kind of, kind of a funny situation right now. Um, So do I feel like the team is a playoff caliber team? No, but at the same time, do I feel like if they find a way to kind of catch a groove they might be able to do something. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not sitting here saying right now that this team is <laughs> is going to do anything if they make it into the playoffs. But um, there's always that chance that they can get it. They get in and they could, you know, maybe win a game or something. Um, but who knows? Uh, lots changed. You know, the new offensive coordinator. We have no idea what what this team really is going to do after firing Filippo. So. Um, they could really do anything at this point. We, I, I really don't think with this team anything will surprise me. If they shrivel and end up just getting blown out by the Dolphins or finding a way to lose the two of the three next game of the last games, I'm not going to be surprised if they somehow find a way find a way to win all three. I don't think I'd be surprised um, just because we know this team is a talented team, and so yeah, like I said, nothing will surprise me. Which which way or the other, um, and if they somehow find a way to back into the playoffs, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but yeah, I I'm kind of looking somewhat ahead, while also kind of just keeping my eye on what's going on right now. Uh, just so you know, the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl this season because we have implemented Operation Flacco. It's time. Stefanski's going to come in. Kirk Cousins is going to go on that magical hot streak in the playoffs. We win it all. The contract is validated. Stefanski will then go on to coach the Detroit Lions. That's how this all goes. We've seen it. We've seen it before. We've gone in. This is what they're doing. This is the playbook that Mike Zimmer is pulling from. And, uh, yeah, it worked for them. So, of course, it's going to work for us. Right, Yanka? Do you believe? Is Stefanski going to finally bring you around to uh, team Kirk Cousins? 
Yinka? Yinka? Yeah. Did we, you, you still there, Yinka? We lose you? I'm still here. I'm oh, okay. Still here. All right. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I don't think that he is going to. I think he's going to um, do a good job making the offense, make me believe in the offense again. But, um, yeah, I think Kirk Cousins is still a work in progress. So we have a long way to go before I get there. Okay. Well, uh, well, we've done quite a bit here, and we, you know, we we got a, a smooth transition coming in to to, to Doctor Ear firing some takes off for us about kind of his thoughts on JDF, where JDF was ranking from um you know a coaching perspective based on the numbers they're looking at from Pro Football Focus. I guess did you have any last words you wanted to fire off in terms of you know kind of this whole situation, cousins, offensive coordinator, skill positions, rest of the season, Stefanski. Anything else you want to talk about before uh, I guess you 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 park the car and and, and go to go back to your apartment? Uh, just let uh, this moving forward. I mean, it's only three games. Honestly, just let Kirk Cousins pick eighty plays out of that uh, whatever book that um, um, Stefanski has it says these are the play, plays I'm most comfortable with. This is now our playbook for the at least for the rest of the season. That's what the Vikings need to do. Whatever Kirk wants to run, that's what he has to run. And everyone needs to be okay with that. Okay. Well, I like that. And I hope in whatever plays he picks, there's some options that uh, that you can use when uh, Diggs and Thielen have two and three people on them. But uh, that's it. You know, that's all. Uh, stick with us here. Uh, Dr. Eager is about to come on and uh, and, and, and give you some, uh, some wonderful takes about, you know, the Vikings, Kurt Cousins, JDF, uh, a little bit of, Mahomes love thrown in there, of course. And uh, that's it. We will uh, talk to you at our regular, regularly scheduled time this week to, uh, to preview the upcoming matchup against the Dolphins. Talk to you all soon. Well, all right. We have a special guest today. Friend of the show. The good doctor. Eric Eager coming through because with all that's going on today in Vikings land, things are going crazy. The streets are on fire and I had to bring in my good friend to get some of these takes off here. So Eric was going to jump right in. Big news of the day. John Filippo, no longer the offensive coordinator for our Minnesota Vikings. From the perspective of the things that you track at PFF, I know that you guys have done a little bit of work in the background, kind of looking at coaches and, um, kind of what value they're adding or maybe subtracting from the levels of talent that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How, how does, how does, how do your numbers feel about the firing of, uh, of John D. Filippo today? Yeah. You know, so D. Filippo is uh, a guy, you know, you, you look at, at kind of like what was going on in Philadelphia a season ago and you always sort of wondered, um, you know, what, uh, you know, what, what, what did he contribute? You know, cause he had, he had had difficulties in previous stops um, and what's interesting, and, and obviously you can't just untangle everything, but uh, he was he ra- rated poorly in our coaching metric, uh, while a guy like Frank Reich uh, graded a little bit better. Now that you see both of them in the you know uh, on their own, uh, Doug Peterson has continued to coach well, uh, even though you know that the results haven't necessarily been there for Philadelphia. So I don't know, you know, the D. Filippo hire I think made sense at the time, but ultimately. Uh, it, it seems like he's been uh, a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, uh, of a bust here 
not to say nothing about what everything else has been, you know, for the Vikings, uh, for the Vikings offense. So where did it go wrong for, for John Filippo? I guess, based on what you're looking at, because there's been a lot of talk, mostly because uh, the Vikings head coach has, has kind of made that a topic of conversation that um, the team needs to run more. They haven't been balanced enough. And, that's the reason that they're they're losing. And that's something that you hear very often on traditional broadcasts when they're talking. I think they flashed a graphic um, even last night that showed if, you know, the Vikings rush X number of times, then they win or they have a winning record. But when they don't get to 20 rushes, then they're oh and whatever. And so that's it's a prevailing thing that you hear a lot is that, you know, if we rush enough or if we're balanced enough, then the team is just going to win. Um I guess what are your thoughts on that and and it's a misguided take uh like why why is that take that seems to be so misguided such a prevalent uh piece of of, of thought in the NFL even amongst I guess our head coach yeah it's interesting so like you know uh, we have these conversations you know I think in our own life a lot too it's like um you know we'll say uh something like well you know if I if I if this job isn't, you know, a hardworking job, then it's not worth doing or, you know, or, uh, you know, if I can't do it the right way, then I'm not, I don't want to do it at all kind of thing. And, and, you know, you see that all all the times and, you know, you kind of like you squint at it a little bit uh, in, in real life, but I think the same thing holds true in football. I think it's why a lot of teams don't run quarterback sneaks, for example, because they said, you know, if we, if, if, if I can't turn around and hand the ball off, uh, to a running back and gain a yard. I don't think we deserve to be a team that that gets a touchdown on this drive. And of course, like that's a silly way to think about it, but it's exactly I think what these coaches, you know, uh, you know, think. And and for us, it's sort of like, you know, if if I can't run the football, if I'm one dimensional, then this whole thing feels cheap. Uh, and, and of course, that's a terrible way to think about it. But uh, I do think that that's sort of you know in the background. Same thing like at the end of games where you often don't see uh, the team on defense that's giving up the game-winning touchdown. You don't see them call timeouts because they're like, I, I, you know, I want to be able to trust my defense. If I can't trust my defense, then we have no business winning this game. And I think a lot of teams like get themselves out of the conversation uh, uh, in terms of winning because of those thought processes. And, and so, you know, the, the clear thing is, is here, like running the football is something you do when you're ahead and not something you necessarily do to get ahead. The, the Seahawks last night rushed for 209 yards and until about two, two minutes and 50 seconds left in the game, they had, you know, six points, right? They, they won the game because they, they played great defense and the Vikings messed up a lot. They ran the ball uh, when the game was salted away, uh, that kind of thing. So I, to me, I think it's just like sort of a psychology thing. Um, people think that a lot of things in football are cheap, namely passing the ball, namely quarterback sneaks. Uh, and so forth. So they want to do the tough thing. They want to earn tough guy points. But unfortunately, on the football field, tough guy points are worth zero real points. <laughs> Shots fired on that one. Tough guy points are are uh, are worth zero real points. So I guess I'll ask the the, the other question because um, you know there was a, there was a strange thing happened you know last night and and still happening today as you get some analysis you're starting to see various parts of the football world that often don't necessarily align coming into alignment in their thoughts or 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 thoughts out loud I guess we'll say on on Vikings you know quarterback Kirk Cousins so 
Um, I know you, you've had thoughts, you know, you had thoughts throughout the off season in terms of what Kirk Cousins um, kind of is or isn't as a quarterback. You know, I've written some things about him, but then you start to see guys like, uh, you know, Key and Faye posting things today and, you know, Key and Faye t- was a, a, a devout Kirk Cousins supporter at, at, at times in the past. And so now you have, you know, a lot of different people posting clips of, uh, you know, missed passing opportunities and and you know poor ball placement and different things that you know you know you'd kind of you know pointed out in in the QB journal. Um, I guess how are you feeling? I guess it's got to be one of those things that feels kind of weird. Where on the one hand, your analysis seems to be proving correct, but on the other hand, the fact that your analysis is proving correct is detrimental to the team that you cheer for. Right. I mean, that's the hardest part of this entire thing. I think PFF Greenline has been on Minnesota once this year. So I, I've either been neutral or rooted against the Vikings professionally this entire season. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, that's the difficult part. I mean, the, the Kirk Cousins thing is, is extremely nuanced, right? Because, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say Kirk Cousins is garbage. That's clearly not true. He's an NFL quarterback. Uh, he's a starting caliber NFL quarterback and whether or not you you put him in like the second or third tier of NFL quarterbacks is mostly a part of opinion it's what you value um that being said the 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 nuance take was the Vikings were coming off a 13 and 3 season with a lot of luck right Case Keenum played probably as well as he's ever going to play that defense played about as well for 16 straight games as they're ever going to play, uh, as healthy as they ever going to be. And we saw a lot of those things, a lot of those unstable things fall apart uh, this season. Another one of them was, you know, offensive coordinator Pat Shermer that coached above his mind. So you put all those things together, and the the foundation here was not the Vikings starting out from 13-3. and three. Uh, You know, they're probably, and I think the Vegas total for them was a little high at 10, and that seems that seemed offensive to a lot of Vikings fans. Um, But, you know, you put it all together, Kirk Cousins, even in the most, even in the strongest of circumstances, 2016 with the Washington Redskins had, you know, basically a nine and seven, eight, seven and one type of record. And that, you know, and that's because of a lot of deficiencies that he has. He does not, you know, he he doesn't seem necessarily great with the pass rush. He was very good uh, statistically against against pressure until last night. He was 0 for 7 last night. you know, he's very good at play action, but play action statistics are pretty, pretty unstable. Do so you look at all those things and, you know, he has fumble issues. He has red zone issues. All those things made me wonder whether or not Kirk Cousins was not necessarily not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He clearly is, but uh, a quarterback that you pay because there's a lot of excuses being made right now on Twitter. Uh, the offensive line's bad. They're not using Dalvin Cook good enough. The, the play calling sucks. Uh, the receivers aren't getting open anymore. They don't have a number three wide receiver as if not having two all-stars in the first two spots is not good enough. And to me, when you pay Kirk Cousins the type of money, you make the type of investment in him that you did, he is a no questions asked type of player. There's no questions asked about Russell Wilson. There's no questions asked uh, about Aaron Rodgers. No one, literally no one has time for any of Aaron Rodgers. You know, they, they hung on to McCarthy quite a long time because Rodgers should be able to overcome that stuff. No questions asked about Pat Mahomes. No questions asked about Tom Brady. I don't think Kirk Cousins is in that conversation. And if you don't have a quarterback that's in that conversation, you should not be favored to win the Super Bowl. All right. I like how you threw Pat Mahomes in there just on the slide. You think I wasn't paying attention, but I yeah, listen to it. I listen when you're talking, Eric. I listen. 
I mean, <laughs> Pat Mahomes is so I was I've never been a part of draft Twitter so much. I interact with people and, and everything, but uh, until I started working at PFF full time, I didn't really pay a ton of attention to college football. But Pat Mahomes was somebody that I I actually did want the Chiefs to draft as a as, and and he has met and exceeded at almost every one of my expectations. He's extremely fun to watch and and interestingly, the the Chiefs played the uh, number one overall defense in the NFL Sunday uh, without Sammy Watkins, without uh, Kareem Hunt, and without their right guard. And I don't see any Chiefs fans making excuses for how Mahomes played. Whew. Whew. All right. So two more questions before I get you out of here. Uh, so, I mean, on the one hand, so there's the the take that you made that I agree with 100% that if you're going to you know pay top dollar for a quarterback, um, it should be a no questions asked type of situation. With that said, I also acknowledge, um, you know, your analysis bears, bears it out. You know, some of the work that I've done bears it out that quarterbacks play is very uh, contingent on what they have going on around them from a surroundings perspective. And the better quarterbacks are less influenced by it, but all quarterbacks yep. are affected in, in, in large part by what's going on around them. Um, if it was you and you were kind of setting for the Vikings, uh, you know, what they should be looking at as we, you know, we move beyond this season and kind of think about what is necessary to, to, to maximize your chances of success with Kirk Cousins at quarterback what areas would you be looking to to shore up? Maybe your top uh, two or three spots. Yeah, this is this is uncharted territory for Vikings fans, right? Because there was always an out every single time they've had a quarterback. With Favre, it was you know Rosenfels and Jackson. With uh, Ponder, it was Castle. With Teddy, I mean, I don't think that anybody ever wanted to get you know get past Teddy, but you know there was always a contingency for when the quarterback that they had struggled. Um, and, and now there isn't. And I think that that's why, you know, Zimmer resorted to sort of, uh, you know, criticizing Filippo because he's smart enough to know that criticizing cousins, as Matthew Collar said, it doesn't do them any good because they're partnering. They're going to get rid of Zimmer before they get rid of cousins, statistically speaking. So, uh, this is our uncharted territory. I, so the, the issue is, is, you know, the the difficulty of having a guy like Cousins as your quarterback is then when the guy like Sheldon Richardson has a brilliant season, which I think he is borderline having this season, it's going to be difficult to re-sign him because he's going to command top dollar at a position that I think is, is increasingly valuable at the NFL level in three technique, uh, especially with Griffin, I think, probably moving on. Um, you're not going to be able to re-sign Anthony Barr if you wanted to anyway. Uh, you're not going to be able to shore up depth at cornerback, although I think they've had some young guys that have emerged here. So that's a good thing. Trey Waynes is a question mark, right? Um, because when I look at it, I think, you know, you need to spend your draft capital getting quality young offensive linemen that fit your scheme. And, you know, you have to, you know, emerge on a scheme here. You need a tight end. Uh, that's going to be able to move the sticks. And, you know, I, I think the Kyle Rudolph seems like a great human being, um, but they have struggled behind him and they even struggle with him now uh, to get him the football. You need an athletic tight end. It seems like these teams, uh, even the Chiefs, as I talk about, they have Travis Kelsey, but not behind him. They have Demetrius Harris, who's a former basketball player that makes plays uh, seemingly uh, more than any other Vikings backup tight end. I think you need a, an athletic guy there. Um, you need a number three option. And and frankly, I think somebody like Jarius Wright would be somebody who they could bring back, just a reliable guy who can get open and catch the football, which is not something they've had there uh, since they stopped committing to Jarius Wright in 2016. So 
you know, <clears throat> Dalvin Cook's probably going to be fine. Uh, you know, but I think offensive line's huge. Interior offensive line's huge. Depth along the offensive line's huge. And I think you got to approach it, you know, basically from a, a, a lot of bodies because you're not going to be able to pay, re, you know, Remmers and Reef money to the next Remmers and Reef. Um, so you're going to have to use draft capital. You're going to have to be, uh, you know, pretty, uh, I would say, uh, creative in the free agent market. Um, and, yeah, those are things I think are important. And then you need to you need to get some pass catchers that I think can complement Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, which will be harder given that you probably have to pay Thielen coming up. All right. Last thing here before we get you out of here, Eric. Um, you know, we joke a lot about, you know, cousins maybe just needing to uh, you know, we just need to go Joe Flacco, full Flacco once we get to the playoffs, you know, get hot yeah. for a few games in a row, and you know, who knows what can happen. Well, it looks like all the cards are lining up now. New OC to, to, to wind down the season. Um, with all the dudes, I really haven't gotten to check. What are the Vikings playoff odds at this point? Like, are, are we going to the dance or, or how's that going to work for us? There is a better than 50% chance the Vikings make the playoffs. Um, they are at 54%. Their chances of winning the division are pretty slim, probably under 5%. Uh, but yeah, I checked this morning. It was like 38 or 53.8%. Uh, oddly, um, because of that tie in week two, the Vikings have, you know, basically a, a, a half game lead on on a lot of the teams that are are underneath them. And interestingly, uh, you know, there isn't a team in the NFC that's at six and seven that I'm afraid of at all. Philadelphia is extremely flawed, especially defensively. Uh, Washington is probably dead to rights anyway. Uh, you know, the Packers probably could make some hay, but they have they're one zero and one the Vikings are against them. So they will not, you know, they, if tied with Minnesota, there's no way they get in. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of, uh, you know, there are a lot of things pointing in the Vikings direction. The The difficult thing is, and, and honestly, I'll eat some crow if this happens, but the difficult thing is, is for me to see the Vikings as a sixth seed going into Chicago and winning a game. Uh, it's difficult for me to see them, you know, as a sixth seed going into Dallas and winning a game. And even if they do, um, you know, we've already seen how they've done against the Rams and the Saints in big spots. Uh, neither team really played well on either half. You know, the Rams played terribly on one half of the ball on that Thursday night game, and the and the Saints didn't play well offensively in at, at uh, US Bank Stadium. So, um, you know, it's tough because I think that I think coming off last season, coming off the Minneapolis miracle and all that kind of stuff, it does feel like a letdown coming in and being the sixth seed. Um, but the Vikings have a very good chance of you know repeating. Uh, uh, as a as you know, a playoff team, and I think I believe this is the first time they would have done so since uh, Gus Farratt in two thousand eight and Brett Favre in two thousand nine. Whoo, Gus Farratt. Yeah, love me some Gus Farratt. Well, Eric, uh, as always, it's always a pleasure. Love talking football with you, even in these short stints that we got this time. But uh, yeah, I don't want you getting any trouble over there. So uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving your thoughts, and uh, I hope to talk to you soon, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, man. You have a good one.